0: Let's take our Bibles and go to 3 John this evening, the little epistle of 3 John. Well, as I mentioned, we're in this study here of a longer look at the little letters. These four books that are just one chapter here in the New Testament. Um, And my goal is to, we've gone through Philemon, 2 John last week, 3 John this week. We'll hit Jude here at some point and then I want to go back and go through them again, and perhaps a third time, and, and looking at what we can gain from them on multiple look-throughs. And, um, and, and so that's my goal and my, my prayer. We've looked at, first of all, the book of Philemon, and, and that's and that first time through, we looked at the explosive gospel, the life-changing gospel, and looked how it changed Paul, looked how it changed Onesimus, and uh, and then looked how it could have changed Philemon if he would listen to Paul, and we assume that he did. And, and certainly, uh, we talked that evening and even last week about how just taking the time to just share our own testimonies of how God has changed people's lives, uh, and the direction we would be or where we would be without Christ, and where we're at today. And we certainly do thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then last week we start. We're in Second John. And 2 John deals with some of the apostasy that was going on in that day, a departing from the faith, and, and how we know that will continue even and even increase in our days. Uh, we learn in uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter number 2 that, uh, uh, that, uh, that before the Antichrist appears, there'll be a falling away. And uh, we learn in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 that the, the description of those last days that evil men and seducers, those that deceive, will wax worse and worse. And we really believe in these last days we're going to see a departure from the faith of churches and individuals. But it doesn't mean you have to fall away from the faith. It doesn't mean you have to fall prey to that. It doesn't mean that heritage has to fall away. We can stay faithful. And we looked at three aspects on ways that we can avoid apostasy and protect ourselves from apostasy. Number one was to embrace the truth. Truth was mentioned over and over in 2 John. And I don't know of any other way for you to stay straight and to straight, stay narrow is for you to be in God's Word each and every day, to study God's Word, to read God's Word, to memorize God's Word, and, 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 and really... Protect yourself from outside influences about God's words. Uh, I'm grateful for good Bible studies, like continue. But there's nothing that can replace just reading and studying the Bible by itself. And trust the living word of God. Get at it and read it and study it. Let God's word speak to you. Uh, we read a, uh, a man we support, we, we, we gave him some money, and I want to support him monthly for a year Uh, He's an inner city pastor in Lima, Ohio. Um, He's an African-American gentleman man that uh, uh, spent some years in prison, got saved in prison. And he said while in prison, he read through the Bible five times. And he said, uh, he got out of, the, uh, out of prison, and, and before he ever went into the ministry, there was 20 years of faithfulness, of reading his Bible every year. And he said it got him straight, it got him consistent to the point where he was ready to go out into the ministry. He says one thing he struggles with with this inner city ministry is that uh, all these guys get saved, and they want what he has right now. And he says, man, that's 25 years of faithful living that it's going to take for you to get there and so he encouraged this, 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 this consistency in God's word. And so, church, I'd encourage us to embrace the truth, read God's word, study it, memorize it. And then we talked about expressing love. Uh, love, again, was mentioned multiple times in 2 John. And there are many ways we can express our love. But I think the greatest way is to share our faith, to share the gospel with somebody else. And I would encourage you, as I've been challenging us, that we would have a, 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 a scores of people in our church that would take the challenge that this year you would pray for and work towards leading somebody to Jesus Christ. Uh, not just seeing people saved at church, but that you, personally, God would give you an individual, a neighbor, a co-worker, a relative, uh, somebody God would lead across your path and you would have the privilege and the honor. Wouldn't it be a blessing at the end of the year to take a testimony time and to have dozens of us to say, oh, back in January, I was able to lead this person, Lord, in September and just share about sharing the gospel and I trust that you will and there's no greater way than to share love than to share the life-changing gospel with somebody. And so we express love, embrace truth and then enjoy obedience Uh, again in 2 John he mentions the commands that we're to follow and certainly uh, there is joy in just simply being obedient doing what God has called us to do each and every day well this evening I want us to move to this third epistle of John our third book that we're looking at just 14 verses 308 words I believe this makes it the shortest book in the Bible and it's a personal letter addressed to a man named Gaius, and they also mention two other individuals, Diotrephes and Demetrius. This letter is very personal as John commends Gaius and Demetrius for their behavior, their positive, their good behavior, and Diotrephes is condemned for his Uh, lack of Christian behavior, lack of Christian character, his poor uh, behavior. And this evening I want to look at just the the comments that John has for Gaius and then try to make some applications uh, from these these thoughts here. Let's read the first eight verses of this epistle. It says, The "the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now if you're a parent today that's certainly a great verse but John's not speaking about his physical children, but spiritual children, and he's grateful to be able to look back. I pastored a church in Pennsylvania from 2002 to 2010, and um, this last fall I was able to go back there and preach a a Sunday through Wednesday revival on their, uh, I think their 38th anniversary or whatever the number was, but I was able to go back and be a part of that church And see dozens of people and I shared that thought with them how what a great joy it was for me that had an impact and a part of their life for eight years of their lives and and to see them still faithful and walking with the Lord what a great joy. I know it would be a blessing to preacher. He got to stop in yesterday just for a few minutes here at church and was in the area and stopped in. And, but what a joy it is for him to come back and still see people that he has invested in and worked in their lives and to still see them being faithful. And John says, there's no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on this their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because for that, excuse me, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. You know, I think sometimes as we consider this letter, again, there's some good and there's some negative in this little epistle. But sometimes we might think that in the early church, in the early days of the church, that everything was great and wonderful, uh, that it was some kind of a Mayberry church a- a- a activity there, that everything was wonderful. Or if there were problems, they were corrected in thirty minute and a thirty minute episode. But I want to remind you that the early church was full of problems and difficulties. We spent uh, 26 messages, almost half of, about a half a year, uh, a couple years ago, studying the book of 1 Corinthians. That's a book of problems in the church. Almost every lesson or message we had was about a problem there in that church. The churches of Colossae and Galatia, they struggled with doctrinal issues. And even the large church of Jerusalem, some estimate that it grew to over 100,000 individuals, struggled. With, uh, with financial burdens, they had to receive a special offering as many of the, uh, of the individuals of that church were struggling. And I want to remind you that the church of the early days were under attack from Satan and the church of today is under attack from Satan. Satan wants to attack and wants to uh, cause problems within a church. And sometimes those attacks come from without and sometimes they come from right within the church. And I want to remind Heritage, we are a target of Satan. Uh, Satan would love nothing more than to see Heritage knock down a few pegs, to see Heritage struggle, to see Heritage go through difficulties and to go through trials and and, and, and various things. He would love to see me and other staff members and lay people in our church to get our eyes off of the Lord, start trusting in ourselves and not on the Lord to see those problems that would arise. And so it's good for us to read a little epistle like this, to see the good things that were happening and the negative things, and to learn from both of those things. Learn from the positive examples. Learn from the negative examples. And again, as I mentioned here recently, don't ever think it could not happen to us. Uh, Let's not ever get prideful, and let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Let me give you three thoughts about this man Gaius tonight from 3 John. First thing I want you to notice this evening is that Gaius was a loved man. Notice with me in verse 1, 2, and 5, there are four times and four ways that John uh, displays or writes of his love for Gaius. Verse number 1, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Verse 2, he calls him beloved and again in verse number 5 he calls him beloved. And so multiple times we see the affection that John has for this brother in the Lord. His relationship was based with with guys was based upon truth upon God's word, upon the gospel, upon uh, 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 what he has found through, through God's word and Christianity and the church. And there was a close bond, a loving bond between these two individuals. I've heard many people through the years, even here at Heritage, talk about oftentimes they're closer with their church family than they are even with their physical family. There's a bond that can come within a church family. What a wonderful way to describe a church is as a family. And of course a family is made up of various individuals, various uh, backgrounds in different uh, areas and, 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 and various things. But what great love can come within a church family. And there are some things that we're going to learn about Gaius this evening that would show us that would make him easy to love. I wish everybody was easy to love. Not all of us are always easy to love, and I'll include myself in that. Sometimes we can make ourselves a little bit unlovable. And I would encourage you, church, that you would try to be that person that's easy to love on. Uh, that's, I used to have a guy, I won't even say what church, it wasn't Heritage, I'll tell you that much, but I had a guy that I used to visit, and I'd leave there frustrated, aggravated, he was a member of the church. He was, he was there. He was at least attending regularly and faithfully. And, and, and boy, there were times I, I probably should have been a little bit more straightforward with him than I was as a young pastor. But there was times I was just like, oh, I don't want to visit this guy. It's hard to love on this guy. And, and, and church, we've got to, it would be good for us to live our lives that would make it easy for us to, to love on. Some of us act like it's a good thing to be hard to love. Like that's a badge, like that's a good thing. Look at me. And, uh, and I'd encourage you that you'd have the different aspect in life. And I want to live my life that makes it easy to love me. And so Gaius was a loved man. Uh, John refers to it here, but I get the idea that this was the testimony of Gaius throughout the church and certainly we appreciate this of of him. We also learn about Gaius in this passage of Scripture that he was a physically ill man and at the same time a spiritually healthy man. Notice with me in verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things, John's saying, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Many commentators take verse 2 to get the idea out there that there may have been a physical issue with Gaius, where John says, boy, I wish above all things that as you prosper spiritually, you would prosper the same way uh, physically. And by the way, if all of our health was a picture or a resemblance of our spiritual health, how would we look here this evening? In other words, if my physical health was exactly what my spiritual health is, what would we look like tonight? And that would be a good thing for all of us to remember and to maybe encourage us to be stronger in our spiritual health. But but John had this desire that Gaius would be healthy as he is spiritually healthy. Growing up, uh, starting when I was in fifth grade, I think that would have been 1981 or so, we started. I started attending a heritage Christian school there in Cleveland, Ohio, out of the Cleveland Baptist Church. And we lived in North Ridgeville, about 30 minutes away, and we would carpool into school with a couple of other families out of our church. And so from fifth grade to my senior year, uh, I was that grouchy kid that got into that car every morning, not wanting to go to school, wishing that the school burnt down before I got there or something, you know, and could go trying to sleep with a car full of kids and all those things. And and we would listen to WCRF 103.3, the Christian radio station, every morning. And we would listen to that, and it was Uncle Bob uh, that, that was on there. He had a morning broadcast, and Bob Divine, I think, was his name. And, and then there were multiple little, uh, uh, little devotional aspects of, of different ministries that, would ha- that they would play throughout that 30-minute drive. And one of those was from a radio program called Johnny and Friends. Anybody ever heard of Johnny and Friends? A lady named Johnny Erickson Tata? You've heard that name before? I think it was in 1967. She was 17 years old here in the Chesapeake Bay. And she dove into the water there and did not estimate the depth of the water and broke her neck. Um... I looked up some things on her she fractured her her back or her neck between the 4th and 5th cervical vertebrae and immediately became a quadriplegic paralyzed from the shoulders down I got her book as a little boy cuz as a fifth grader I was kind of interested in listening to those things and hearing her devotionals and hearing her her talks on those radio Uh, station drives in and uh, read her book and she learned to paint using her mouth she could paint and she would write using her mouth with the pen I remember the book we had uh, uh, it was all typed out but every on hundred pages or so they would use it with her own penmanship that she would have written with her mouth which was much better than I can do with my hand and and, and, I, and I would I remember reading that. And I just remember the spirit that this woman had. Now, she didn't always have that. She went through some anger and resentment and bitterness early on after that accident. But eventually she gave that all over the Lord. And we wouldn't agree with her in every aspect. I'm not trying to endorse every part of her ministry and everything she does. But she's 73 or now, or maybe a little bit older. I can't remember now. I just looked it up here the other day. and But she's still serving the lord in spite of this physical handicap this physical ailment she's determined that she's going to stay active in ministry for the lord and love god and make the best of things she was a she's a physically ill person with this severe handicap that remained healthy spiritually i don't know i've never had to deal with the real chronic health issues. Um, but many of you know people that way, and some of you have dealt with those types of things. I would encourage you that we'd all live our lives where our spiritual health is what is highlighted, not just our physical health. Personally speaking, I don't know if I've ever been more encouraged than after visiting a lady here at our church named Gina Jello who went through years and years and years A physical ailment, and had a spirit about her that you didn't recognize. You didn't just notice her her physical problem. You you came out of there encouraged. Many of you, many of you ladies, sat with her, and you would you would testify to this. What an amazing woman! What a spirit! And we can all have that that spiritual vitality. By the way, Jean is good today physically. Amen. She's with our Lord and our Savior just here several months ago or a couple of months ago, and so we rejoice in that. So Gaius was a loved man. He was a phys- physically ill man that was spiritually vibrant. And then we learn of him that he was a faithful man in his service for the Lord. Verses 5 through 7, John says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren, and get this, and to strangers. That's a good thought for us to take and to consider this evening. That Gaius treated strangers the same as he did the brethren. And I think that's an area that every church can improve in. I've been to churches where I'm the stranger. And uh, there's been times where i am never greeted, never spoken to. Never made me really want to go back to that church before. And I've been to churches where I've been greeted and, 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 and welcomed. And, uh, and whether they're the, the brethren or a stranger, whether they're a known person or an unknown person, they ought to feel loved when they come into our, our assembly, into our family. It would be a poor testimony for anyone to ever leave here saying, I did not receive a, a good, sincere welcome. Now, here's the thing. You can't depend on other people to, to do that. We all got to say we're going to take part in that. I've been in a church before when I've been asked to move out of a pew. I'm a visitor. I showed up and I sat in somebody's pew and they walked to there and I thought for sure they were joking at first. They looked at me and they said, that's my pew. And I said, it's a good one. I like it. I thought they were just there to welcome me and tease me. And she stood there and stared at me with her hands on her hips. And I said, oh, excuse us. And we got up, I got my wife and my kids. My niece was with us that day. We moved to a different row. You should have seen her face when they called me up to preach that morning. She did not look at me once during that message. Church, would you be faithful in whatever God's called you to do, whatsoever it is, and would you be faithful to treat the stranger just like you would the brethren? Well, if you treat the brethren well, would you treat the stranger well then? Some of you need to work on the brethren thing too. We need to be a church that's a friendly church. Not fake, genuinely, sincerely. And we can do that. I've met almost all of you, and you're, for the most part, pretty good people. <laughs> and we've got to get out of our little circle, though. Yeah. We're talking about um, some things, you know, uh, let you in on some insider information here. We, we, uh, we're talking on ways uh, of, of retaining visitors better. You know, last year we had 100, over 100 visitor cards turned in. Sometimes that's just one person or that could be a whole family. And we're talking about uh, following up and various things and how we could do that. And, and one of the things we wanted to do is, you know, sometimes people get out and I never meet them. Uh, they never make their way back there through there, and I don't get to meet them or whatever. And I remember last Sunday, I went over there, and I grabbed a family that's been coming for weeks, and I, they show up right before church starts, and, 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 I, and I never got to meet them because they go out a different way, and I, I went over, and I said, I caught you. And he looked at me like, where'd you catch us for? I said, I've been looking for you to catch, talk to you guys for f- several weeks, and, and I, I we wanted to get better in those type of things. And you know what would help us? Is if just you in your, in your sections... You see someone that you've not met before, why don't you go talk to them? Amen. My favorite line is this. Have we ever met before? <laughs> I, I love. I said it to somebody this morning. I said, hey, have we met before? And she said, no. I said, I'm so happy you're here. And I meant that. In church, it would do you well to be looking around you and to go and to treat the stranger just like you would the brother the hayes family are here this evening i'm sure many people are going to go and hey re, re, get reacquainted with them and seeing them but if what if we had somebody else that was just brand new you know what there needs to be people going up to them getting acquainted with them in the same way you would with the brethren as the stranger gaius was that type of a guy and so there's a lot of things we can learn positively from this man gaius Let's live lives that make it easy to love us. Let's live lives where our spiritual health is highlighted or recognized above our physical health. and let's live lives where we are faithful in our service for the Lord, especially in the area of loving the stranger, just like we do the brethren. So I pr- trust that we'll make these applications in our lives individually, and here at Heritage. And the Lord would use these in our lives. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening. Sarah's going to come and play a verse of invitation. And perhaps the Lord's tugged on your heart a little bit this evening about one of these areas or some other aspect of your life. And and convicted you and you want to talk to the Lord this evening there at your pew or here at this altar. We're going to give us a little bit of time to reflect and to pray and to consider these things before we close. Father, take this invitation, Lord, and would you use it for your honor and your glory. Pray, God, that you would work in our hearts and our lives. Help us all to not expect someone else to do these things, but we'd expect ourselves individually to do these things. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. The Lord spoke to your heart. Would you respond tonight?